You know, good health is the best inheritance you can possibly pass down. So the sooner you can replace what's missing in your kid's diet, the stronger, smarter, and so much healthier they'll become. That's why Child Life Essentials should be your new best friend. They have a complete award-winning range of natural supplements and multivitamins for kids from birth to late teens. Child Life Vitamins have been specifically formulated to address the key issues and challenges kids deal with daily like brain development, immune support, and their little bodies growing properly. Child Life Essentials are the world's most loved children's vitamins for a reason. They're all natural, non-GMO, gluten-free, and allergy-friendly when possible. And best of all, kids love the taste. So take a look at the Child Life range. It's exactly the foundation they need to thrive throughout childhood and to succeed beyond. You can learn more at childlifenutrition.com. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Health Power. I've been in health media for 23 years. And during that time, there's been an ongoing debate about can you be fit and fat? I've always said yes. The diet culture and the diet industry would like to tell us absolutely not. Today, we've got an amazing person who is an athlete and is fat and is fabulous. And I am so excited to have the wonderful Marcy Braithwaite. Marcy Braithwaite has been a runner for 12 years, completing almost 100 races of all distances in person and virtual, including a full marathon and qualifying for half fanatics, certified in RRCA and USATF Level 1 Coaching. She is a size-inclusive fitness specialist, a group leader of fat athletes, a Facebook community for athletes in all bodies, and is dedicated to the health at every size and body acceptance principles. Hello, Marcy. Hello, and thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm so excited to have you. So I found you on TikTok, and I was so mesmerized by your videos. And I'm sure some people in the audience are like, oh, my God, Lisa, you've literally just introduced this woman as fat. That's so rude. (laughs) We need to talk about it, and we need to be able to to call ourselves what we wish. Right. So I, it's... It's not really that complicated. It's really just that uh, fat people are realizing that fat is uh, is no longer going to be a stigma. We are not accepting it as a, um, a pejorative anymore. And we basically are saying, yes, we are fat. You don't have a problem saying the word thin. Why should we have a problem saying the word fat? And uh, it's society that needs to change its opinion that fat is bad because Fat people exist. There are a lot of us and there are a lot of us doing all the same things that thin people are doing and being as healthy and uh, as, you know, thin people. And we really just need to um, for the, you know, for safety and for the health, mental and otherwise of our kids and ourselves, we need to adopt a much less um, stigmatized idea of what fat means. Yeah, I completely agree. Speaking of kids, what was it like growing up for you? (laughs) Um, So, um, well, I mean, the trauma. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Um, You you don't hear a a fat person's experience without hearing about how they um, were constantly made fun of by other people. Um, My biggest thing really was that Um, You know, in the 80s and 90s, when I grew up, parents, when your kid comes home and tells them that they were made fun of for being fat, you put them on a diet. And that was my experience from the age of nine or 10. 
And, um, you know, I, I'm also a little bit quirky and weird. And so, you know, the, it made it so that my identity really ended up being fat and smart. And those were the two things that I identified as, and I felt like one of them was the worst thing in the world. And the other one was the thing that was going to bring me forward. Um, and so, um, being a fat child, I've been fat all my life. Um, but the thing is, I, I wasn't, I wasn't, you know, a, a particularly large child. I just happened to have a different body shape. And, you know, when I was doing training for, we'll get to this later, I'm sure. But when I was doing my training course for um, my first running certification, running coach certification, um, I was going through USATF and they were showing techniques on how to shot put. And I had never seen shot putters before. And when I was over 40 years old doing training for my running coach certification and track and field certification. And um, I finally saw shot putters. I realized, my God, that was what my body looked like when I was a kid. I happened to be shaped differently, but I was very strong. I was solid. And um, because I was strong and solid, my BMI was always high. So the doctors were always telling my parents that I needed to lose weight. Um, the, you know, the kids never saw me as uh, attractive or thin. And so that, you know, informed most of my experiences throughout life. It wasn't until I started running and completed my first marathon and um, joined the running community that I realized that being in this body is an amazing thing. And not only amazing, but it can also be inspiring for other people. And that I kind of took and ran with. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. Yeah, literally. <laughs> now, when you were a kid, did you enjoy anything athletic or did you turn away? So a large part of I, I never played um, organized sports. I never was uh, I never did sports teams. However, I was constantly active. I was always active. I was um, I did dance. I, I was in ballet for eight years. I did horseback riding. I did gymnastics. My mom had me signed up for every activity at the YMCA that I could be signed up for when I was a kid. And I loved all of it. I was never really particularly good at any of it. So I wasn't, I, I didn't ever identify as athletic because also I was fat. You're not fat. You're not athletic if you're fat. That's just the association that I had with it. And I also have a little bit of the, um, you know, the gifted child um, fear, fear of failure um, right. that informed my childhood <laughs> as well. So I didn't want to try out for anything. The only time I tried out for something, it was for cheerleading because I really wanted it. I still to this day remember the, the cheer that I um, auditioned or that I tried out with, but uh, I didn't make it. And so that kind of just, you know put everything down the drain for, for any kind of sport activity. Um, but, you know, like I said, I was always active and it was, um, when I started running, it wasn't because I, it wasn't because I wanted to be, um, you know, involved in a sport. It was just because I wanted to move and I've always moved. I've just always been fat too. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that's the thing, like movement is so important. Like, I'm not going to say to anybody, on my health show, it's fine. Just sit in a chair all day and don't move your body. I don't care what shape and size you are. You got to move yeah. and you got to find something you enjoy. The other thing too, I think is so important is if you're in a larger body or if you're in a fat body, I would think there are certain things that you would need to do to keep your joints healthy, mm -hmm. right? Because I think that some, what happens, and this is what's happened to some of my fat friends, they go to the doctor, they have foot pain or joint pain, and the doctor just says, lose weight, but they don't say, oh, well, 
how can we support you being your weight and you being active? Okay, do these cross training exercises to strengthen. Okay. So go ahead. Okay. So um, (laughs) one of my biggest, biggest things in in all of my coaching is just joyful movement. Um, Movement, motion is lotion. We've heard that phrase before. Movement is what keeps our bodies healthy. And a lot of times, um, a lot of times I get people saying I'm too fat to run. Well, have you tried it? You know, have you tried running in a way that's different from just going out there and, you know, sprinting from here to the mailbox, dying and then never wanting to do it again? You know, so it's really a matter of finding a movement that feels good for you. And I always say that running in my and for this because this is my sport, I'll just stick with this focus here. Um, but running is a hop from one foot to the other. And I still get people on my TikToks when I show videos of me running that will comment, that's not running. And I'm like, what, what, what qualifications do you have to say that the movement I'm doing is not running? Because there are actual definitions of running versus walking. It is a mechanical movement and it's, it's something that anybody can do at any pace. And that's a real hard thing for a lot of people to get over is feeling like they're not fast, feeling like they're too slow to call themselves a runner. And movement, again, has to be something that you enjoy doing. And if you want to be a runner, you can do it at a slower pace. You can figure out where it is that you are happiest in your movement. You can figure out where it is that you're not hurting yourself as you're doing the running. And for me personally, just because I, I love I love lifting, I love doing anything that makes me feel strong. So I do those things because they're good for my body, not because I'm trying to lose weight, not because I'm trying to conform to an ideal, but because they feel good. And I really, really push the idea that movement is the one thing that's going to help you improve health outcomes, improve your strength, improve your lifespan. And it doesn't have to be running. Sometimes people will come to me and they're like, well, I'm not sure. And I'm like, hey, you know, running's my thing. It doesn't have to be yours. I can show you how to do it in a way that feels good. And if you don't like doing it after I've shown you that, you don't have to be a runner. Find something else that feels good, but do that. Move. That's what you need to be doing. You know what I love is running in a pool. Yes. And doing water exercise. My fr- And I can't believe it's been 30 years. Uh, the first job I ever had in the health field was that it's an aquatic specialist, they called me. So I had to take physiology, anatomy, kinesiology, and lifeguard, all this other stuff. And I worked in a physical therapy center and I worked, the physical therapist would give me the exercises to do with the patients. Mm-hmm. And I loved it. I only did it for two years though, because being in a hot room full of chlorine started yeah. giving me headaches and it was, I, I, it sucks. And what's been so fun this summer is my daughter's, one of her friends has a bad back. That's not the happy part. I'm like, woohoo. No. <laughs> um, but she's like, I need to find something to do. And I said, let's get in the water. And we've been having a blast just showing her all these things are coming back to me and all these cool moves. And she's like, oh my God, this is so much better. So I say to a lot of people, if they have joint issues or if they're new or they're intimidated, if you can get to a pool and just move around. You don't even have to swim laps. So people always say, well, I don't like to swim. I'm like, I'm not talking about no. swimming. I'm talking about moving your body in different ways and having that support of the water. It's just, I love it. Yeah, no, and that's something that I've done um, in the past when I've been injured um, in between you know, races or whatever. I've just gone in the pool and run in the pool. You just put on water shoes so that you can protect your feet, run in the pool. If you can get into a pool that's a deep water pool where you can do water running without touching the bottom, that's even oh, better. I wish we yeah. had that, yeah. <laughs> 
know we don't have that. I I was thinking about that the other day. How nice that is, and I think too it, the the idea of for a lot of people who are in larger bodies, uh, going to the gym is such a crappy experience. Yeah, you know, I did an interview. I know you follow her, um, Bethany. She's amazing. Yeah. And we had such a great interview and she did this whole thing on TikTok about, you know, reason number 20, I won't go to the gym. And one of the stories that just, it's, I was just so angry is she's literally wearing like a long tank top covering everything. And they asked her, they said, you can't wear that. And there's skinny women everywhere in their little bra tops. And they said, either leave or buy a shirt. I just, I'm like, oh my God. Like, so you don't want people to be heavy. But then you don't want people here to work out. So you're just an ass yeah. who just likes to hate people. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. I mean, it's, <laughs> you don't you don't actually ah. care about the health of fat people when you decide to concern troll. You just want to see people look better so that we are more attractive to you. And it is absolutely nothing. In fact, my most recent TikTok was uh, about how I do not exist for your gaze. I am not here to be attractive for you. And my body is going to be is going to be what it is. Depend not not dependent upon your particular opinion of me, and even I mean it, every time that I have gone to the doctor since I became a runner, all I have to do is at the beginning of the doctor's appointment is mention that I'm a runner, and not once have I gotten anything from them about losing weight. It's, oh, really? Yeah, it's it's actually really interesting because I have. Um, I have made a point now of every time that I go to the doctor saying, yeah, so when I went on my run last weekend or when I, you know, when I did my (laughs) marathon, I did this or whatever, but I always make a point of saying something like that. And it's like, it's, it's switches something off in their brains where they're like, oh, well, I guess this person is active now. Maybe I shouldn't have to worry about them and their weight. Even when I've gone in for like a foot injury, I um, like right now I'm dealing with an, an injury from wearing the wrong shoes when I was training for an ultra. Um, but all I have to do is tell them <laughs> I was training for a, a 31 mile race and I ended up with this injury and they're like, oh, OK, well, let's put you in PT. Let's put you in. Um, let's do an MRI. Let's do all of these things. It's not just immediately, you know, you need to lose weight. I am obviously fat. I, and especially since COVID that has, my weight has gone up as well, but I have not weighed myself in a long time. And I've also not weighed myself at the doctor as well. So, well, I'm thinking about fat bias in medicine where you go in fat and they're not looking at anything else, you know, like they're not like, how's your sleep? How's your mental health? What do you know? What's going on with your work? How has COVID affected you? They're just like, you're fat and goodbye. And that's not helpful. And then they can ignore the problem that's going on. Yeah. And that's that's one of the biggest problems that, um, you know, and part of the fat activism that we're doing, it's not so much just to allow people to be fat. It's to reduce the stigma around fatness. And that's getting into the health, the, you know, in, into healthcare and letting people know that, there are studies that are showing that fat people who are active are as healthy, if not healthier than thin people who are active and thin people who are not active. It's has much less to do with the amount of fat that we have on our bodies and much more to do with how we are living our lives, whether we are active, whether we are, you know, making healthy choices. And there's always going to be people who, um, you know, assume things about anybody. Right. You know, you assume that someone in a thin body is not eating enough or is not, you know, living 
or is not is starving themselves. But you would assume that a person in a fat body is lazy and sitting on their ass all day. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But and healthcare health uh, providers do that as well, and so it's been nice that since I've been um, a runner and I've been able to say this is what I do. I am a runner. I identify as a runner, and to be able to go into the doctor and say this is what I've been doing, um, they oftentimes will not be as judgmental, and they won't focus just on the fat. And one of the things that I've told people, I've told my clients, and I've told people on on TikTok and on Instagram. Um, that when you go to the doctor in a fat body, if the doctor mentions weight loss first off, you need to say, okay, we're going to put that on the back burner for a moment and pretend that I am one of your thin patients. What is the course of treatment that you would go with for one of your thin patients if it did not include weight loss? And that has been really helpful for a lot of the people that um, have followed me and left me messages and things like that and standing up for themselves, advocating for themselves in healthcare. And, um, you know, it's, it's really a matter of, are, are you getting the healthcare that you deserve as a human being, not as a fat person? Now let's talk about people who uh, are new to being active. Where do you even start in a large body to work out or a fat body? So for me, because I focus on running, I always start people with walking and I always tell them start with 30 seconds of running. Um, And what I do for my clients that I work with individually is we start with um, try 30 seconds of running and one minute of walking. See how you feel. When you're running, you have to make sure that you are able to breathe while you're running. And if, if you're having trouble breathing while you're running, either cut back that 30 seconds or cut down your effort during that 30 seconds. And if anything hurts, stop, because there's a difference between pain and soreness. You should have soreness afterwards, especially if you haven't been active for a while, but you should not feel sharp pain. Um, and all of these things are, this is what I do with my individual clients is that we talk about um, when they are working through their plans, we talk about how they felt when they did a certain run interval. Did you, were you completely out of breath at that th- end of the, that 30 seconds? Did you feel like you could keep going at the pace you were running? And we just do an individual, hey, check in with yourself kind of thing. And that's really, that's really all I do is I teach people to check in with themselves, figure out where it feels good and just keep doing it and being consistent. And that's really the best way to move forward is just do the same thing over and over again until you realize you can do more and then add a little bit more. Now, if you have a fat client who comes to you and they want to lose weight as a result of the running, will you still work with them? Is it bad if somebody's like, I'm 300 pounds and I'd like to, you know, go to 250? They're not, I'm not trying to be a supermodel, right? right. And I feel like they're, Sometimes there's pushback of like, well, if you're trying to lose weight at all, then you're just part of diet culture and you're trying to just, and I'm like, I don't, I think it's tricky. It is. So I'm just curious what you think. It is absolutely tricky. And there are, I mean, you you can't say there are no um, health conditions that aren't exacerbated by being fat um, because there are some, for example, um, sleep apnea can be affected by, by fat around the neck. Um, And so there are legitimate reasons for wanting to lose weight. I try to stay away from my, in in my own practice, I try to stay away from any kind of, um, any kind of encouragement to lose weight. I encourage people to move. I encourage people to improve health, health outcomes through movement. Um, If someone comes to me and says, I really want to lose 50 pounds, I say, well, 
when you have not been active and you begin to become active, a lot of times your body will become smaller in response to the, the, you know, the, the movement. Um, but I do not train for weight loss. I don't teach you to lose weight. I don't show you that you can run this much and lose weight, or you should eat this much and lose weight. I'm not a nutritionist. Everybody in our, in our country, in our society lives under this, women especially, um, live under this expectation that our bodies have to be a certain way. And someone who is having a body image issue comes from a different place than someone else. That, that doesn't, negate the fact that fat people are more stigmatized. Fat people are, are literally kept out of spaces because of the size of their body. Um, and so there's, there's a couple of different issues here. There's the fact that people, women in general in our society are so, are just buried under the, um, the anti-fat bias completely that everything that, that might make their bodies larger as they get older, um, makes them feel less worthy, you know, less than, um, and that's something that, you know, fat activists are trying to work on. Um, because if we, if we can, if we can improve outcomes for fat people, if we can improve the way that fat people are treated, then that, that improves things for every woman in the entire country. Absolutely. This is why thin people who are like, well, you know, um, fat is unhealthy, don't get it. Because if fat people can improve health outcomes for themselves, that improves health outcomes for other women as well. So I, I just, uh, it's, entirely valid that you are feeling larger in your body because your body is larger. And we tell everybody larger is bad. But you also have to remember that this is comparatively to um, people who live in larger bodies than yours. Our experience is different. We receive um, treatment from society differently. And Absolutely. It's, it's not, you know, it's not equal. It's not equitable. No, I'm so glad you said that. And the other thing too is when I tell people I'm 175 pounds, they're like, oh, but you're tall. Like, it's like, who cares? Like they try <laughs> to make it like it's okay because you're supposed to be 175 pounds because you're 5'10". But if you were 5'4 and 175 pounds, then you're just, you better lose that weight. Right. And it's, it just annoys me. I, oh, I, there's so many, so many things, so many things that we could just spend hours discussing. You know, I mean, it's so many things that, women have to deal with so many things that and it's not just women it's it's people femme presenting people of right. all types sure um and there's so many things that we just need to stop doing you know we need to stop judging each other we need to stop going into comment sections and saying you oh, you're god. ugly we need to teach oh, men to shut the hell up every once in a while <laughs> oh my god it is so insane it's it's always every single time that I get a comment on social media about my body or about, you know, losing weight or about not being active enough to be in a thinner body, even though I've, you know, run a marathon. I, <laughs> it's always <laughs> from a dude. It's it's always from and, and if it isn't a dude, it's a it's a uh, usually a, a woman who is involved in fitness herself. And most recently, I um, re received a really long diatribe from someone who, um, it, whose whole TikTok was about the fitness life and how she, um, you know, she and her husband and kids were all 
you know, eating, I don't know if it was vegan or, or whatever, but right. eating some kind of diet culture, you know, diet and um, being active and everything. And it's, it's like my existence totally uh, negates her whole, her whole shtick, I guess. You know? Right. Yeah. It's like me saying that I am a runner and I can be fat in this body and be a runner means that this person who's dedicated her entire life to fitness and health is suddenly wrong. I'm like, no, sweetheart, we can both exist in the same reality. You can be, you know, active and and healthy and fit with your family. Um, just stop telling me that I need to change when I am active and fit and healthy. Exactly. I know. The other thing too is is the comments who they're acting like it's health, yeah. but they they're really just bullies. Yeah. Yeah. That's, you know. Yeah. It's and, and like I said, concern trolling is it really says more about the person than than it does about me. Um, or any other fat person, it's, you're not, you don't care about fat people and their health. You don't care that they are, you know, that their heart rate is, or, out, you know, their resting heart rate is in the 50s. You don't care that their their uh, blood pressure is one 115 over 60. You just care that what you see is not what you want to see. You just care that you've been, you know, brainwashed into the idea that fat people are unhealthy and you want to continue believing that if you are acting in a certain healthy way, that you're not going to be that, you know, that fat and that you're going to be the better person by doing the certain things that you're doing. You don't care about fat people and their health. You care about the fact that if I am healthy, if I am worthy the way that I am, you might suddenly not be. You know, it's interesting because in the past I did do some diet books, but I would always add, well, I know thin people who aren't healthy and fat people are, but now I'm not doing that. But there was a woman I interviewed yesterday. I just want to give her a shout out because I think she's awesome. Her name, her name is Lolita Carico and she did do a book on keto. But the thing I like about her is it wasn't, she was focusing on inflammation and sleep and other things. And that my whole thing was like, Hey, if you want to make some of these recipes, cause they're delicious, then go for it. Yeah. It wasn't about, she kind of had that same attitude of like, she's like, we don't even have to talk about weight loss because there's so many other things I found because now I'm eating more almond flour. I'm getting more healthy fat. And instead of eating white flour, and I would tell anybody that no matter what their size, I'd prefer people eat more whole foods. Mm -hmm. Does that make me a bad guy? Right. So, but I thought it was interesting that maybe we can approach some of these diets, take things that we like. Oh my God, I love kale chips or I love this without it being this dogma of no, now you only have to eat keto. I even asked her, Hey, if someone wants to put pasta and all these zoodles recipes, she's like, yeah, totally. Like just, they're delicious. Do what you want. And I think that's a healthier way than being so strict. Yeah. Cause I'm excited to make some of these. And honestly, I do better on a low carb diet. Cause I have a bunch of food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. So my ideal meal is a huge salad with grass fed beef and avocado and a yam. Yeah. I am good to go. If you give me bread, I'm going to have a headache the next day. So, so I just, I'm trying to expand because I don't want someone to see that show and be like, Oh, I thought you were anti diet culture. Well, I am, but I'm not anti sharing cool recipes. Right. And, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. And I totally, I totally get where you're coming from. And there's, there has to be in everything. Part of the problem with our society these days is that there's no room for nuance. You know, right. I mean, there are, there are, in fact, I have a, uh, not, it's not vegan, but it's, it's a low salt, low, uh, low fat, um, soup recipe. It's like a kale and, and sausage and Ooh, uh, potatoes okay. and, 
um, you know, it's a really good recipe and it's, it's low in salt. And there's a few things that make it diet culture, right? Doesn't mean right. I'm not going to eat it. Doesn't mean I'm not going to enjoy it because I love that soup when I make it. Right. Um, right. the thing is, I, it's, it's, it's hard to escape diet culture and it's hard to escape, um, the, all of the ways that it affects our lives and that we are just surrounded by it. And it, as such, it's better to recognize it and pick and choose the things that work for you than it is to completely say, no, I'm never going to have anything that, that has the word keto next to it. If I, if I get an advertisement in my Facebook feed that says keto on it, I'm going to delete that ad, but I'm not necessarily going to take a, a, a recipe that my friend is making who is on keto. And if I happen to see that she's you know eating it and it looks good, I'm not going to not use that recipe just because it's keto, you know? Um, and I'm not going to diet. That's just something that I have gotten that I have left behind completely. I am, um, uh, I follow intuitive eating and I listen to my own cues in terms of what feels good in my body. There are things that I no longer eat because my body, I recognize that my body doesn't respond to them well. And some of those things are, you know, related to diet culture in some ways. And so it's really a matter of intuitive eating is really a matter of just recognizing what is best for your body. If that's keto, if that's, you know, in your case, if that's low carb, if that's something that works for your body, there's nothing wrong with that. That's great for you because you feel better when you do it. Um, but, you know, in, in my case, I, I don't, you know, say anything about with my clients, especially I don't say anything about dieting or eating because that's not my that's not my wheelhouse. I don't, I don't give nutrition information for me personally. I eat intuitively. I do my best to find things that fuel my body. Um, and when I recognize that my body needs more protein, I eat more protein. When I recognize that my body needs fewer carbs, I eat fewer carbs. And it's just, it's really a matter of recognizing what your body is telling you and knowing what, when to separate diet culture from, you know, your, your intake. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there's this almond flour cookie recipe that uses a non-sugar sweetener that's called allulose. You know, she was telling me about it and I was like, wow, I use Swerve because I just, I don't like, I don't feel good when I eat a lot of sugar. Mm -hmm. So I love the alternative erythritol and xylitol. Now that's not for everybody. I love healthy fat. Give me the fat, but I'm not going to do it where like, like today. I made these little yellow potatoes. Mm. I had a chicken sausage with it. I found this awesome sauce. It's I think it's called Grilk. G-R-L-K. It's a Lebanese sauce. It's the I found it at Wegmans. It's the best thing I've ever eaten. <laughs> they make it with sunflower and canola oil. I usually don't use sunflower and canola oil because I prefer the, the I prefer olive and avocado, but I'm gonna eat it. I slathered that all over my potatoes and sausage, and it was amazing. Yep. I mentioned this earlier, but what kind of cross training is good to do, especially if you're either you have, like I said, joint issues. What do you do for that? So what I do, I do a lot of body weight, like in my, um, in my training plans, I actually, because, um, I, I like to do these exercises myself. I actually build, um, workouts and include them in my training plans. Um, I, I, I offer them as, you know, a, an option and that my clients don't have to do my workouts exactly the way that they are programmed. Um, but they are workouts that I enjoy and they're workouts that help keep me strong for, 
for running. Um, but really, I mean, things like, I mean, you can see my, my TRX there on the wall. Oh, I love those. Yeah. yeah. Um, I love that for upper body. Um, and I do just basic body weight workouts, squats, lunges, um, you know, and there's all of the different ways. Like I oftentimes will get clients who do have mobility issues who, um, you know, can't get down onto the floor on their knees. So we have to modify things yeah. or, or customize. I call it customizing because oh, I like that. modifying gives us the idea that, you know, they're supposed to be a certain way, but everybody's body is different and not, not everybody's body can do the same things as someone else. So we customize movements for that particular person. Um, but cross training, um, cross training that is running specific is going to be any kind of cardio. So walking, bike riding, um, you know, swimming, anything like that, anything that gets your heart up and keeps it up for a sustained amount of time. Strength training is my favorite. And that's what we do, um, which is mostly body weight. Um, but you know, I also use, um, the, resistance bands, um, kettlebells, things like that. Just anything that gets you moving in a way that strengthens those muscles that you can feel a little soreness from the next day. So you can tell that you actually did something. <laughs> exactly. Do you ever do yoga? Cause I've seen that more and more with fat people mm -hmm. engaging and finding like really accepting people, accepting classes. I don't do, I mean, I occasionally will do yoga. Yes. I actually have a friend who, um, I have done a yoga class with, um, a couple of times and, and she's amazing. She is um, very inclusive with her movements. And she was the one who taught me the the word customization for movement. Oh, that's um, awesome! And but I don't I don't do yoga as often as I as I would like. Um, but I do stretch and um, stretch. Yes, that's so important. Yeah. And a friend of mine actually, when we were camping this weekend, she was just doing some basic hip stretches um, while you know some of us were eating breakfast and. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to get down on the ground and I'm going to do this with you. And I was like, you know, I'm going to call it yoga, but it's really just stretching and it's just moving through these, through these stretches. And, and I was like, I need to do this more often because it's, whether it's a yoga pose or not, I know what my body needs in terms of stretching. And so why don't I do this more often? Um, so absolutely yoga is a wonderful tool to have in your running or fitness arsenal in any way, shape or form, because fitness and mobility are Im incredibly important concepts. I actually do have a mobility workout that um, I throw oh, in cool. there. It's, it's, it's really, it's, it almost feels like a yoga workout because it really is just moving your body in just a little bit more ways than you might be doing normally. And so it just feels really good. So yoga, mobility, all of that is an important tool to have. Yeah, you know, I know that and I think I mentioned this in another interview, I know that Pilates kind of has like a fancy schmancy skinny white women thing mm -hmm. <laughs> for a reason, which is annoying. But I do it. And I love it. I have found it's been really beneficial for my in for just my the way my structure is just getting stronger. So I would say you don't have to have a, ref I have a reformer. I got one secondhand. I got lucky. It was really cheap. It's not the best, but it works, but you can just do mat Pilates stuff. Mm -hmm. And you know, I, you don't have to go to a fancy schmancy Pilates gym. There's so many workouts online. So I just want to encourage people to, even though it might seem like, oh, that's not for me. Oh, Pilates, but just, you know, maybe it is, who knows? Well, and, and a lot of times when I'm just feeling like, oh, I need some, I need some kind of movement. Let me Google um, Pilates exercises. And I pick one, you know, I'll pick a Pilates exercise. I'll pick a yoga pose or, a, you know, I'll just throw together a few things that feel good in my body in that particular moment. And that, I mean, 
Google is a wonderful tool. <laughs> yes, it is. You know, just because there are, you don't have to do an entire Pilates workout. You can pick some moves that feel good that your body is able to do. That's a key part right there um, that your body is able to do. Um, and you can get movement in, in, and it doesn't even have to be a long period of time. Like your body knows that movement is movement. It doesn't care how long you do it for, or, you know, if you're, if you're doing a lifting session, for example, you can do one exercise and then, you know, 20 minutes later, come back and do the second exercise. Your body's still going to feel the same benefit from it. No, that's so true. What do you say to people who say, I hate exercise? Are you aware of this? Have you tried this? Is this uh, is this something that you you know have considered? You know, if your if your knees hurt, have you tried seated exercises? I know that there's a there's a stigma attached to those because they're like, oh, it's only old people who do those. And no, it's not only old people. It's people who have mobility issues. It's people who have pain when they're moving. And seated exercises can be just as effective as as standing exercises, especially if you have mobility issues or pain. So it's it it's really a matter of knowing what's out there and being willing to find your <laughs> to find your bliss. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I, I think too that, you know, to get rid of that whole idea that you have to be panting and so exhausted and dripping with sweat to have gotten a workout. I'm just going to go for a 10 minute walk. And then maybe later I'm going to garden for 10 minutes. And then maybe I'll sit and do a couple of yoga poses in a chair or yep. something. And for me personally, I, I love that feeling when I am just exhausted after a, a you know, an hour long, two hour long, three hour long run. I love that feeling because I feel like a freaking badass. You know, I feel like I've accomplished something. My body feels good. I'm exhausted, but every part of me is just like vibrating with wonderfulness. You know, we all have to find that point. You know, for me, the running works for that. The running does that for me. For my husband who started running basically because I was running and he was like, all right, I'm, I'm getting up in my thirties. I should probably, you know, do something movement wise so I don't die. Right. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so he runs. So so that he doesn't die. He doesn't, he doesn't <laughs> run because he likes it. And there's a lot of people who run who do it, who do it that, you know, for that. But for me, running, and especially in my larger body, it just makes me feel good. I feel like I'm doing something because when I'm out there running, people see me. And first of all, they see that people in larger bodies can do this. And I also get people who are like, well, you know what, I saw you doing it. So now I think that I could probably do it. And, you know, there's a there's a little bit of inherent anti-fat bias there because, you know, people who are who are thinking that fat people don't run are the ones who are being affected by that. But the thing is, if I'm out there, if I'm doing it and I'm inspiring other people to do it as well, there's nothing bad that can come from that. No, not at all. I think it's great. I think people, inspiration is, is wonderful. And I think especially if you're if you're in a fat body and you've always been told, well, you can't do that because you're too fat mm -hmm. or you're not going to be able to run or what, don't even try or mm -hmm. gymnastics. What are you talking about? Yeah. And then, but you can. Yeah. Well, and that's part of the thing in, in my, my Facebook group, um, All Bodies Belong. One of the things that I do is I post a lot of people in larger bodies who are doing these badass things. I just posted something before this, this morning of, of a woman in a larger body who bench pressed 314 pounds. I mean, I just, like, that's, that's more than, than me, you know, and I'm a fat lady. You know? <laughs> so, um, I mean, she can bench press me. That's badass right there. And so in my group, I do a lot of just helping to it, posting things that help to change the opinion that 
people in larger bodies are not active, that we can't do badass things. And, you know, I went out and I ran a marathon. It took me six hours and 18 minutes, but I freaking ran, ran 26.2 miles, you know, and, and I did that in a body that weighed 260 pounds at the time. And so when I go out there and I do those kinds of things, people, people see that and they realize, well, maybe I can do it too. And then, you know, they do go through that. Well, I don't like running. Okay. Find something that you do like doing. Find something that you'd be willing to do for six hours and 18 minutes, you know? (laughs) Now tell everybody how they can join all your groups, how they can work with you. I mean, this is, I knew this would be great. I love (laughs) your work. All right. Tell us all the ways we can find you and sign up with you and all that good stuff. So I I overdo it when it comes to the social media stuff. I'm on Facebook under, um, uh, under the fat athlete. So I have a page. Um, I don't post there as much as I post in my group, which again is all bodies belong. Um, and I do a lot of posting in that group, both, um, you know, events where I will go hiking with some of the, the locals. Um, I have people from all over the world in that group. Um, it's small, but it's, it, it's building and I'm, I'm really happy with the way it's working in terms of highlighting people in um, larger bodies being active. Um, I'm also on Instagram and on TikTok at the fat athlete. It's the underscore fat underscore athlete. And um, on both, I really just repost my TikToks to to Instagram, but occasionally we'll do um, something else on Instagram um, here and there. Um, But both of those are focused on a um, usually a workout move of the day. Um, Sometimes a fit check. I do a lot of um, fit checks in terms of things that people in my size body can, um, can access for workout gear. And um, then there's just kind of the, sometimes I'll do a healing your anti-fat bias focus, which is where we talk about how we can look at things through a different lens in terms of our fat bodies. Um, And other times I will focus on some of the active things that I've done. Like I'll do a a real type thing um, of my hikes or my backpacking trips or, um, you know, just a video about my running, showing me doing running or showing one of my clients when they're running and, and giving some kind of tips about running too. So that's, that's where I'm at. (laughs) Now, do you work with anybody that isn't fat? Um, So I will work with anybody who is interested in working with me in terms of um, becoming a runner, becoming more active. I have clients in smaller bodies and in larger bodies. Um, I don't, I I don't discriminate in terms of body shape (laughs) when it comes to my clients. If they come to me and they want me to coach them, I will work with them to make their experience the best that I possibly can um, and make it so that they develop some kind of relationship with movement, whether it's running or not. Um, I've had clients who have come to me um, to start running. It didn't work out for them. And I said, you know, stay in touch. We can, you know, friend me on Facebook or whatever. Let's, let's stay in touch. I want to see how you're doing. Even if you're no longer my client, um, you know, it's just building a relationship with people and helping them build their relationship with their bodies and with movement. Well, that is great. Everybody follow this amazing woman, Marcy Braithwaite. I am just so excited. I love this conversation. Keep coming back to Health Power. You can follow me on social media at Lisa Davis MPH. Thanks. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you and we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.